to introduce Jerry, uh, Oliva Saisin Ikushin is her Dharma name, Pure Stream, Nourishing Heart. And Jerry began her practice in 1989 in Green Gulch, at Green Gulch, with Reb Anderson, came to BCC seven years later, 1996, became a priest uh, ordained by Sojin Mel Weitzman in 2012, and then received Dharma Transmission in 2017. She currently leads or facilitates the Wednesday night group, open to everyone. And her just personal note about her, she in her career, she's now retired, she was a pediatrician uh, and also focused with a focus on public health and uh, was on the faculty of UCSF. She spends a lot of time now with her four grandchildren, and uh, you might see her rolling on the floor with them and all of a sudden breaking out in a song <laughs> here or there. So let's give a warm welcome to Ikushin, Saisen Ikushin. So I am. Yes? Closer or far further? Yeah. I want to do a little more. Is that good? <laughs> so I, uh, at the first thing I wanted to say is welcome to aspects of practice. Um, that's a four-week period every year, um, led by the senior students, and um, it is a time for us, an opportunity for us to deepen our practice, to really get in and study, um, and. And, and make um, a commitment uh, to some regular uh, participation. When we, when we make out our forms, when we sign up for Sushi, we sign up for a certain number of Saturdays and classes and so on. But that's really, that's our aspiration and showing our vow and our wish, uh, our wish to be part of the Sangha and our wish to be part of an effort to awaken and have that opportunity to ha and it's a really great opportunity for all of us for all of us who are trying to participate and do some of the teaching and just for everyone to be, come together especially at this time um, it's an important thing so i'm hoping that you think about during this practice period uh, think about your efforts and what what is appropriate and try to make it if you haven't already, make it make some kind of commitment to yourself 
of what you're going to do, how you're going to, how much you're going to study, um, what events you're going to be part of, um, so that we, when we're all in this uh, this kind of boat together, uh, riding the waves of this practice period, <laughs> and the waves of not knowing how to do your aoyoki and so forth, um, seems to be we're all in, uh, fortunate to actually be in a place of beginner's mind, and so I hope people have that mind and um, make the commitment uh, to participate as much as they can. Uh, so what I thought I would do uh, before getting into any dharma particularly was uh, background uh, for the Genzo Koen, which we're studying right now. Um, and because a, lot, because a lot of us know some of this, but many people are newer. And so I wanted to make sure we kind of set the stage uh, before diving into the text. So the first thing I was going to talk about was Dogen's life. Um, uh, A.A. Dogen, of course, was the founder of the Soto Den tradition in, in uh, Japan. And so he's our, our guy here. <laughs> and, and we rely on Dogen. Um, and we learned about Dogen and his practice through Suzuki Roshi and Sojin Roshi, and we continue to learn through them. But he was really their inspiration. And his, and his work has been a guiding force for this temple for a long time. So Dogen was born in 1200 in the 13th century in Kyoto, um, which, which had been Japan's capital. Um, he, he was born, interestingly, to a high society family. I don't know that I knew this before. Um, he had a, a, a father that was related to the emperor. Um, his, his wife was related to his, the, the ministers. So he was in a very wealthy family, a very aristocratic family, and, and born into that. Um, and at that time in Japan, interestingly, um, Japan, uh, Buddhism has gotten to the point where it was kind of the practice of the rich. The rich folks owned the temples and um, they had armies to protect the temples. And the armies were fighting, fought anybody who tried to invade and they supported it. So it was a very different society. Um, that he was born into. And um, many people in Japanese felt, in Japan at that time, felt it was a, it was a very bad time for Buddhism there. So um, unfortunately for Dogen, um, he, even though he was born in privilege, he died, his mother died when he was three, and his, and his father died, oh no, his Father died when he was three and his mother died when he was eight. So it's kind of like, in a way, Shakyamuni Buddha was born to a, a family of wealth that supported temples and things. Also, and lost his mother in birth, childbirth, uh, but then uh, somehow got in touch with in his childhood. Um, he was exposed to Buddha's teaching. And he uh, 
he basically rejected his lay life and entered the monastery. And by age 13, he was ordained as a novice monk in the Tendai tradition. <laughs> and he practiced in the Tendai tradition through his teen years. And he became concerned about this question, the question that led him to actually change uh, the whole the whole space of Buddhism in Japan. And that's the question that um, if we're all already already Buddha, if we're all already enlightened, why do we have to practice? And that was uh, and that was uh, something that, that really uh, became his mission uh, to answer that. And so when he was 21, um, he, he went with his Tendai teacher to, to China and to uh, many monasteries and visit many teachers. And finally, um, he found his true teacher, Rujing, as we know, and Rujing gave him face-to-face -face transmission of the Dharma. So his Dharma father was Rujing. So it's interesting, um, this lineage, I, I, uh, I, I find I found uh, it interesting looking back at the lineage of Rujing, because lately I've been interested in finding the traces of the current Dharma and where they come from and, and actually where they originate. And it turns out that, um, and, and, and so in thinking about Dogen, I also uh, rediscovered uh, the teaching of Hang Shur, who was uh, generations before uh, Rujin. But it turned out that um, Hang Shur, the, the teacher that gave us silent illumination as a teaching, um, had been the abbot at the same temple as Rujing. And that explained to me that um, that, that teaching came through, through a generation and through, um, through a generation through Hangshur. And it explained a lot about Dogen because, and, and Sojin Roshi and Suzuki Roshi, because they really used a lot of that material, uh, a lot of that teaching in there. Um, and in their in their teaching, and they brought that teaching to us. And I looked then at uh, at uh, uh, that teaching and looked beyond. Um, so I looked for the all of the all of the possible ancestors that would influence Dogen in his writing of Genjoko. And so what I found was interesting. Um, Basically, basically, there are echoes of the teaching of Genjo Koan that you can kind of trace back. And I, of course, many, many of you might know that or not, um, but you can trace back and kind of hear. And I thought it would be interesting to just hear them before we get into any discussion of Genjo Koan. So the first one was, um, was Sekido uh, Kisen or Shitu, um, who was also one of Suzuki Roshi's favorites. 
And he wrote something called the Song of the Grass Roof Hut. And part of it is, turn around the light to shine within and just return. The vast inconceivable source can't be faced or turned from. Meet the ancestral teachers. Be familiar with their instruction. Bind grass to build a hut and don't give up. Let go of hundreds of years and relax completely. Open your hands and walk innocent. Thousands of words, a myriad interpretations are only to free you from instructions. And he also wrote the Sando Kai, which we chant here, which says, with a, a few excerpts, the spiritual choice source shines clear in the light, the branching streams flow on in the dark. Grasping at things is surely delusion. According to sameness is still not enlightenment. In the light there is darkness, but don't take it as darkness. In the dark there is light, but don't see it as light. Light and darkness oppose one another in front and back foot in walking. And then following Sekito Kisan came Tozan Ryoke and Dantram uh, with his Jewel Mirror Samadhi. And there are echoes of Jewel Mirror Samadhi in Genjo Kaman as well. The teaching of thusness has intimate, been intimately transmitted from, from Buddhists and ancestors, by Buddhists and ancestors. Turning away and touching are both wrong. Just to depict it in literary form is to stain it with defilement. It is like facing a jeweled mirror, form and image, behold each other. You are not it, in truth it is you. So as, as you start to study, uh, uh, study Genjo Cohen, you see almost the same lines, lines repeated in, in Genjo Cohen, the same ideas like the use of the mirror, um, the uh, light and darkness, the equality and inequality. These are these just came down through the ancestors. And the most um, important one for Dogen was that was Hamshur, who took who who took from those people and wrote his interpretation of how to how to understand the way. So Hamshur's poem, which really inspired Dogen, and very much inspired the Gurdjian Cohen is called the acupuncture needle of Zen. The essential function of all Buddhas, the function of all ancestors, is to know without touching things, and illuminate without encountering objects. Knowing without touching things, illuminating without encountering objects. This illumination is miraculous. The knowledge innately subtle has never engaged in discriminating thinking. The illumination innately miraculous has never displayed the slightest identification, never engaging in discriminative thinking, discriminative thinking. This knowledge is rare without match, never displaying the most minute identification. This illumination is complete without grasping. Water is clear to the bottom, fish lazily swim on, the sky is vast without end. Birds fly into the distance. So just hearing that, you're also hearing part of Genjo Kona. There are, there are references all the way through. And um, so I just find that 
for me, fascinating because we talk about our practice and we talked about that. Alan talked about it a little bit about walking in the, in the, in the steps of our ancestors. You know, we walk in the step of our ancestors and then we jump off the hundred foot pole or whatever into ourselves and our own understanding. So these are the steps of the ancestors and they are for me very much so. And, uh, and so I think it's interesting to look at these connections. For me, I find that part of a study period, that's what aspects is to have us be able to dive into this material and see the depth of it, not to learn, not to learn all of it, you know, not to read all of it, but to just get a sense of the richness of the teaching of the ancestors and how they, how they come through these thousands of years and are still alive in our practice. So teach, so studying them and, and to me is very inspiring. And I, um, and so I, I, I hope I can transmit that. I mean, it's hard you know, you're listening to material and it's kind of, oh yeah, but it's really, if you, if you take it to heart, um, it's, it's like, this is what, this is part of us. This is part of our lineage. This was part of Suzuki Roshi. Very, these people were, Suzuki Roshi talked about these particular people very often in these particular writings. And so that's why I really decided that I wanted to share that. And it may not, you know, many of you may not <laughs> be interested in that sort of thing, but I, but I find it, it feeds me. And then I, and I, and I see Dogen jumping off from here, taking the next step the step, you know, where he's, he's taking the next step. And Genjo Cohen is, is really his first um, uh, fascicle that was the first fascicle in the Genjo was originally in the Shiro Genzo. Uh, other versions have uh, the perfection of wisdom as the first chapter, but this was the essence. This And this picked on this whole lineage. So it felt like to me, Dogen was taking the next step from these people that inspired him. Jerry, yeah. your microphone needs to Oh, he's doing it again. Um, so interestingly, Genjo Koan, which we're studying in this practice period, um, was originally written as a letter for a lay practitioner, it's written in Japanese. And he was teaching, he dedicated it to this lay practitioner. And he wanted to bring, it, it was part of his effort when he came back from China to bring, um, to bring the practice to, the, to, to, to lay people and to take it out of the aristocracy and to bring it to the people and to really, to, to really work to make, um, to make this practice something that people could participate in, not some kind of elitist air, elitist kind of magic thing. It's something that the regular people could could participate in. So um, and uh, uh, this particular chapter, I guess, uh, just what uh, there was a quote from Nishiera, uh, who was one of the translators of famous uh, Japanese uh, scholar of Dogen, uh, and one which again Suzuki Roshi very much 
admired and Sojin did too. And he says that this work of the Genjo Koan is the skin, flesh, bones, and marrow of Dogen. And that all the other classicals are merely offshoots of the Genjo, of the Genjo Koan. So this is his, in his case, saying this, this is really Dogen's central teaching. This is the, this is the teaching of the Soto Zen lineage. So the, the Genjo Koan um, comes by a lot of names. So you'll hear it as the actualizing the fundamental point, uh, the question of everyday life, the matter at hand, the realized law of the universe, the acupuncture needle of Zen, and manifesting suchness. So it has lots of names. People really seem to have a lot of issue, a lot of uh, fun with translating Genjo. Because <laughs> usually you can get a Japanese name and you just say, okay, that's simple. I'll get I'll just go to the I'll just go to the dictionary and get Gen. Um, and apparently it it can be quite controversial, I learned, but I picked <laughs> what felt uh, from mostly uh, Okamura, what felt most uh, comfortable um, and most accessible, so hope, hopefully. So Gen, the Gen part of Genjo Koan, means to appear, to show up, or to be present, or to be in the present moment. It can also mean and that be a noun for something unseen that can now be seen. Okamura says, so Gen can be a kind of manifestation or actualization of something potential into something actual. And Jo means to become or to complete or to, to accomplish. And Uchiyama, Uchiyama, Uchiyama Roshi uh, says, calls it, calls it you know, in his own way, the ordinary profundity that the present moment becomes the present moment. Gen is something which is beyond hidden apparent. Joe is something beyond decaying and under and, and, and dichotomy. So, and Okamura says, again, Gen, Genjo Khan means to manifest, to actualize or to appear and become. And as a noun, it means to experience reality as actualizing, happening in the present moment. The word ko is to equalize in an inequality or not tunis of inequality and equality. An is to keep one's position beyond such boundaries. So Genjo Cohen is sort of an active, an active call to us of actualizing our practice, walking through all of our practice and emerging uh, with the understanding that will save us. So let's see where we are. Um, 
the Dogen comes, Dogen in his uh, working with the Genjo Koan, takes a, a step beyond the Heart Sutra and the no, notion of the Heart Sutra, which talks about how we free ourselves from ego attachments and transform our lives from suffering to the expression of reality. If there are fixed places or conditions, it's called samsara or nirvana, delusion or enlightenment. But the, 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 the teaching um, from the Heart Sutra, he feels, he felt, was too concrete in terms of it's either this or that, and that there is, um, there is samsara and nirvana. And we have to work to go from suffering to, in, to enlightenment. Um, here, he, and, and in order to do that, we have to get rid of forms. We have to get rid of attachments. We have to get rid of names. We have to get rid, we have to go into emptiness and non-form in order to uh, be free. Dogen doesn't say that in he says, the five aggregates, form, feelings, perceptions, formations, and consciousness are not obstacles to awakening because they themselves are manifestations of impermanence and lack of independent existence. In fact, he says that they express the reality of all beings and are therefore prana. So we must accept body and mind and use these leaves to practice. There's no escaping body and mind and the aggregates. Action rather than thinking is practice. So to see the reality of every being, to see the reality of the world of phenomena is practice. To actually see and understand and penetrate is practice and that's that's where Dogen steps forward in the Khan. So he 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 basically is encouraging us um, to open ourselves completely to the world as it is in this moment and take in everything. We're not it's not negating it's not a negating thing. It's an accepting thing. It's accepting what is. And not, uh, Hozan talked about putting names on things. And there's a whole thing with certainly with the uh, people who teach through the Heart Sutra. Once you name it, you know, your the name kings, your Alaya consciousness, your storehouse consciousness, and you have a whole story with it. But that's not what, what we're talking about. We're talking about um, this process of actually being present uh, with what is acknowledging it, being okay with it, seeing its, seeing its uh, impermanence, seeing its lack of permanent self, or even seeing and then seeing um, how, how things can be beneficial or not, the duality of things. So we have that we have to actually make that part of our practice rather than sitting and saying, well, let everything go. 
Don't think of anything. Don't name anything. Don't go into emptiness. Of course, emptiness is fine. It's, I mean, it's, it's fine to hang out there. I mean, we all have that, you know, that feeling when we go into samadhi and you really say, oh, thank God I'm in the, thank Buddha, I'm in the temple. I can, I can relax now. I can, I can actually let everything go and I can be without, no, without interruption. And yet we're here and there's constantly noise and there's constantly things going on. So there's never a sense where you're at a place, no matter where you are, that there isn't, there isn't stimulus, there isn't light, there isn't touch, there isn't heat, heat and cold. There, there isn't uh, noise disruption, there isn't building. You know, even when you go to Tassahara, you know, here they built the crew, that, you know, uh, whatever, and even though you're in the temple. So you really can't, even though we say we drop everything, um, we can never really drop everything because it's always there. And what Dogen is saying here is that you, very key part of what he's saying is that um, that, 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 that is er everything, everything is Buddha Dharma. Everything can actually can help us actualize Buddha Dharma, everything we encounter. So that's a really different message um, than the Heart Sutra. And uh, so, so um, I just want to do a little bit about the first couple of sections of, of the Genjokon, which actually uh, many um, many of the, the maybe many of the people who talk about the Genjo Koan say basically the whole the whole Genjo Koan, the whole premise of the Genjo Koan is the first three sections. That basically they all together create the reality and the practice and the practice that the practice and actualization that model and that all the other uh, sections of the Genjo Kong are just offshoots. They're, they're, they're really related to the same thing. So the first three give you the basis. And the first three generally are seen as um, sometimes the first step is the characterization of human existence or the world of form, right? Basically, how do we work with the world of form? The second is how is it when we're in it, when we are seeing the emptiness? How do we see the emptiness? And the third is transcending both of those. <laughs> transcending those. So yeah, form is emptiness, emptiness form, but it is beyond form is emptiness, emptiness form. Two they both are the Buddha Dharma. There's no picking and choosing. Everything is Buddha Dharma. So, and so he starts off with section one of the Genjo Koan. As all things are Buddha Dharma, there is delusion and realization, practice, birth, and death. And there are Buddhas and sentient beings. There's a second translation. Uh, when all Buddhas are Buddha Dharma, there is delusion and realization, practice, life and death, Buddhas and living beings. 
So Sojin, when he, one of his talks, I mean, you can, if you go back, you can hear so many talks. Sojin, Sojin loved the Genjo Kong when I was here. He was always talking about when I first came, he gave so many classes on it. I wish I you know, remembered all of them. But one of the things he did was he wanted to declare, make sure that people really understood these words. That these, even though we say words don't have meaning, words have impact. And so, and, and it's, so one of the things he wanted to be sure to clarify when he started off his lecture on gender consciousness, um, uh, is to make a distinction between Dharma's small d and Dharma's big d. And we do talk about that. Dharma's are all the things that we can encounter, right? Dharm, small dharmas are basically all phenomena. They include the constituents of mentality and constituents of body. So this is, this is the world of cause and effect, of karma, duality. And all, and all dharmas are, all small d dharmas are continually interacting with one another in this world of constant transformation. Buddha's teaching is that all these parts fit together as parts of the universal whole. Uchiyama puts it, this sentence can be seen as a description of how our minds work as we begin Buddhist studies. We are used to observing different aspects of all things. So, it's interesting because I'm, when Sojin talks about it, um, he's saying basically every phenomenon, every dharma is, a, is, a, is, 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 to, is to learn from. Every, every experience is to wake us up. And so no matter what it is, um, being kind with yourself, and being accepting of something has presented itself for you to work with. You know, Suzuki Roshi said you always, always need problems, but you, you don't have to look for them. So you, 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 don't have to, you don't have to look hard to find something that's bothering you. You know, your leg hurts, your back hurts, you're hungry, you're hot, you have, you had a, you have, you have an annoying thought about somebody. I mean, these things are coming up all the time. And what Dogen is saying here is all of these things are Buddha Dharma. And that's pretty radical, really. All of these things are Buddha Dharma. They're not, so they're not annoyances. <laughs> they're actually welcome. You know, you have problems, great. Because if you can be with your problems and you're settled in your zazen practice and you're able to just be with them, without any kind of processing necessarily. You can see them come and go. You can see a pain that you have early on relax sometimes. It can get worse too. <laughs> you can see, you can sit there like I did today saying, wow, you know, I had hurt my knee about a year ago and it was it's still, it's, it's finally back into, into working order. But I sat down and I was comfortable and I thought, oh, it's gonna be so great. I can sit comfortably again. Uh, yeah, until we were eating and my leg said, oh, I don't want this. 
this is not okay. So at that's, you know, that's just a t- you know, I started to grab onto the fact that I could sit a certain way again as a thing that was permanent. But what, of course, it wasn't permanent. It was just some ordinary thing that happened, you know, and it happens to us all the time. I mean, this is really the bottom line of this first paragraph. Uh, so the other, the other thing Sojin pointed out about this, it's interesting. So we, we're only on the first word, right? Um, the, uh, he talked about the first word of the Genjo Komai. And you see that um, in one translation, it's as all things are Buddha. And another one is when all things are Buddha. And um, Sojin wanted to realize, Sojin's interpretation of when is at the time you realize that all dharmas are in fact dharma. So when you realize that, you can see form, you can see the forms, you can see all the phenomena. That's okay. That's part of practice. That's part of our sitting practice. So the forms are here. Okay. They're here, they're gone. Um, I see an attachment to this one. I see an aversion to that one. All of this is part of our enlightened experience of seeing reality as it is in the present moment. This is the present moment. My knee is here. (laughs) It's reminding me, oh, be careful of your knee. That's okay. I need to know to be careful of my knee. I don't need to do anything about it. I don't need to make a whole story about it. Oh, it's not going to be really better, and I'm going to have to do. I don't have to do that. I can just say pain in the knee. Fine. The food is good. <laughs> and eat, which I did. The other, the other translation is that it is as all things are Buddha Dharma, as all things are Buddha Dharma, not when. And that's kind of, I, I, I kind of, I kind of added a word for myself. As, as if all things are Buddha or something like that. Because what what um, uh, you know what could we how could we do as 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 it is this is as it is. So I had a little trouble, but actually um, uh, I think as as can be something too as it is as this is can tell you the same thing, but harder for me to identify with. Um, So, so this section basically allows us to have some discriminative thought. We can, by seeing things, we can see the reality of things. We can see um, dependent co-arising. We can see interdependency. We can, we are, we're encouraged to look and see that in our lives. Um, and so that that is not such an easy thing in a way, because how can you realize the Genjo Khan in this way, how can you realize all of 
all of the universe existing, interacting, arising and ceasing in each moment. How do you do that? And, and, and what Dogen is kind of saying is, well, it's not so magical. You just look at what's happening every moment. And, and whatever happening every moment is your teacher. And if you can do that, you're living, the, you're actualizing the Buddha Dharma. That's what he's saying. I think that sounds pretty good. <laughs> so this section is, is just says, I was summarizing here, uh, the view of seeing things in the phenomenal realm is essentially the first step in actualizing the way to study the realm of forms, the form of forms, to be with them, to accept them, to penetrate them in order to see their emptiness and their interconnectedness, and to recognize that Buddha Dharma includes duality and non-duality as aspects of reality. I guess that was my, I wrote that at some point. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that really is the summary of the first section, um, which is really important. It's kind of like basic, right? It is our basic practice. That is what we do every day. Uh, but we don't recognize the value. We don't rec always recognize that, it, you know, like when, when Buddhas are Buddhas, he says later, when Buddhas are Buddhas, they don't recognize that they're Buddha. Just living that way every day. Uh, living in that moment-to-moment -moment awareness and acceptance and, uh, and inquisitiveness, that's actualizing the practice. So, section two, that was only the first step. You can imagine all the, however many sections we're gonna go, go through 11 or something. Um, the second one, the second one is, as myriad things are without an abiding self, there is no delusion, no realization, no Buddha, no sentient beings, no birth and death. Another translation is when 10,000 dharmas are not fixed self, there are no delusion and no realization, no Buddha and no living beings and no birth and death. So Sojin says that this is really just, the, this is really the heart sutra, right? That, and first of all, the 10,000 dharmas and the and Buddha Dharma are the same. So he's just saying when we recognize the emptiness and the no self, things don't exist in the same way. Not that they don't exist. So he says there's no delusion, there's no, well, of course there's not, there always is. So he's just saying you, when you go and realize the emptiness, you, it's kind of a negation know this, know that, like the Heart Sutra. But in, but in this case, um, always in Genjo Kola, he's saying the, the opposite. So whenever, whenever you hear one thing, he's also including the other part. And so, um, so he, um, he, he says it, you have to, you have to know um, that there, there, are, there are different conditions and different, uh, different circumstances in our lives. That's always part of every bit of practice. 
and that we need to actually um, Uh, so that um, so that we, we can experience this emptiness, we can experience this feeling of negation, um, but yet know uh, that it is that's a one-sided view. I mean, it's never knowing; it's always the other in everything. So Alcamora says we wear the clothing of occupations such as doctor, lawyer, priest, student, teacher. But when we sit down facing the wall, we let go, including comparing ourselves to others. We take off this clothing. In Zazen, I am not a priest, not Japanese, nor American. In Zazen, we are neither rich nor poor, have no religious label. When we are just facing the wall in Zazen, we are neither deluded or enlightened beings. We are we're neither alive or dead. We're just as we are. We take up our clothing and become the naked self. So he's saying, first, you know, in the first one, examine all the phenomena. See them, recognize them as Buddha Dharma. And in the second one, give all that up. <laughs> Basically, give all that up and, and recognize that just being there in the present moment without any identifying or stories or anything just being there um, and being your naked self creates an opportunity actually for you to actually see really see because you're not you're not uh, you're not coming in with a bunch of stories and a lot of mind clutter so we we use we with zazen we start off you know in our shamatha practice of sitting to be calm right and to drop off and to be comfortable and to be solid. And then the phenomenon come and, and they do us what they do. <laughs> and then we penetrate the phenomenon and recognize their no self and recognize their emptiness. And then we'll come. We're still calm. So and there's no and there's no delusion and no alignment. There is because we we're going in and out of these things all the time. And Sojin says um, we're always, always continuously facing uh, our tendency to find aversion or attachment in what's going on. Um, and that, that's not going to go away. And that's, that's really what this is about. It's, it's that stuff is never going to go away. That's the reality. That stuff is feeding us. And so he, he said, see, he, I guess so just said something. The, the poisons, you know, greed, hate, and delusion are always there. Always there, and they always will be there. So there's no state of nirvana. There's always samsara. There's always, they're always interconnected and interacting. And we go from one to the other. We might feel certainly differently. Um, but, um, but that, but the reality is 
that it's not going to change. <laughs> we can't expect the way our minds work completely. We try to transform our consciousness, get rid of some of our um, hindrances and our uh, obstacles. That's true, we do, and we can. But we're still human, and we still have our, our feelings and our, and our sensations and our skandhas picking stuff up all the time. So we're never going to be, we're free only when we accept that, when we accept both the form and the emptiness and leap and go beyond it to, a, to, to um, leaping clear, as he says um, in the third thing, leaping clear. Thus there are birth and death, delusion and realization, sentient beings and Buddhas, yet a death. Yet an attachment blossoms fall and an aversion leaves spread. So that that just is. So we went through all this effort of working with forms, dwelling in emptiness, and yet, and it's and it's it's the leap. The leap clear is to is is an opening to duality and non-duality, to to everything, and being able to be with them the whole picture. So he's really, it's really kind of a radical when you think about the old Buddhist teachings and how Dogen brought this teaching and, um, and how, how, how effective, effective it was in transforming, uh, basically transforming practice in Japan. So I really, I know I went on, but I just I actually love this. I don't know. Maybe other people don't, but <laughs> I love this diving into the into the material like this and uh, and i like parsing it because it makes me feel like i can internalize it and really in it my gets in my body and if you just kind of swish over it it doesn't you have to kind of get that's what he's talking about you have to live it get it breathe it in your body and mind so there you go <laughs> do we have we're going to stop and not have a few questions? We can, right? It's, it's well, 11.20. So, uh, so we can have a few minutes, huh? If people want to say something. I went over, I know. What can I say? <laughs> uh, if there are a couple questions, comments. Kabir online has one. Okay. Good morning, Jerry. Hi. Thank you for this beautiful talk. So I have a bit of a, uh, have a comment. The phrase that kept coming to my mind was, see as is. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see if we can say something about that. See as is. As it is, as it is. Yeah. See as, see it, as is. it is. Or see as is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, um, and I think that's, to me, see as is, is exactly the idea of recognizing that the emptiness and the non-self in everything that we see, because that's ultimately the reality of that, whatever we're seeing. So see through it, penetrate it through it and see it as basically something that's arising and ceasing, basically something that is not separate, that is not separate itself. It's just it. 
It's just like it, right? Yeah. That's it. It's, it can be anything, right? It can be my understanding. I've got it. I don't know. What's that? But it is what is in the moment and real. And to, see, and to look at the reality, the, the true reality of what we're looking at. And it's, and it's constantly seizing and rising. Yes. And it constantly goes away. And comes in. Constantly having to come back to it. Always. Just don't serve them tea. You're never going to make it to Nirvana permanently. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> Thank you. Did you have something? Yeah. Um, uh, your talk um, brought to mind that uh, Thich Nhat Hanh had said that um, Maitreya Buddha would be collective awakening, so it would be the collective. Mm -hmm. um, and we we chant that we're waking up together. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering uh, if you could say a word about, uh, like this week, um, in very present is collective greed, hate, mm -hmm. and delusion. Yes. So I'm just wondering um, how this teaching relates to Sangha practice, refuge of Sangha, waking up together. Well, you kind of have two thoughts there. One is, is how we as a, you know, how we collectively, um, how does practice work collectively when we are faced with whatever situation, right? And to me, it works by, um, by uh, encouraging people and hearing people and, and um, having compassion. And in that state of having compassion, knowing that we're all the same, there's no separate self and we're all part of an interconnected self, that we can together uh, move in some way. <coughs> if you're talking about what's going on in the world today. And in that state of collective awareness, something may arise. So is that the purpose of our collective forms, like Oriyoki and so on, chanting? Uh, well, the, the purpose of our forms is to show how we're interconnected. Like, you know, we, we, we have a form of eating in the Zendo. We have a, the giver, receiver, and gift. You know, you're interacting with somebody. You're, you're in, and it's one action. It becomes one action. It's not separate. It's not a separate server, a separate eater. We're, we're, we're doing a dance together of, of interconnectedness. And that's really what our practice is about and recognizing that we are doing an interconnected dance. 